Oh shit, Josh, I forgot something. I fucked up. What? What? What'd you do? Well, see, we got so into this episode and it went on for so long. <laughs> well, you don't have to laugh, but it, it went on for so long that um, we forgot to record a opening bit. You know how we always do those opening bits at the beginning? So I kind of screwed up. Sorry about that. That's pretty sweet. No, it's not. It's really bad. <laughs> no, what? Now why are you laughing? No. Although I should. In the future, I should definitely do that sometime. That's you should do. You should do what? <laughs> what now? What are you laughing about, Josh? I think I feel like you're losing it right now. This is one of those things where you're gonna like edit a thing, right? Well, I, I can try to. <laughs> I can try to edit something out of this, but yeah. I mean, all I would be doing is taking a clip of you from the episode where I'm having technical difficulties and you're laughing at me and then just, like, playing it back and talking against it as if... Yeah, no, yeah. It's, like, it's the fucking worst. As if we're like, having a conversation, yeah. I, I kind of want to... It's pretty bad. I, I, I agree. <laughs> it's really not our best work. But uh, I hope you forgive me. Yeah. Oh, good. been a while since we talked i think two weeks i think just about two weeks uh not quite on the dot i think two two weeks on the a day less than a dot i'm lost you want to start the episode again draw me a draw me a chart (laughs) how are you i'm pretty good i am pretty good i today is my first day qualifying it pretty good yeah well pretty you know pretty good you know pretty good it's not bad yeah, you well, it's just, it, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's not I'm good, you know, it's like... Uh, oh, I am good, though. Well, no, no, I'm not saying you're not... Okay, so here's my take on it. There's, 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 a, there's a few different ways you can answer the how are you, and, and one of them is just an unambiguously unqualified, I'm good, because you're actually really good. Another one is, I'm good, because you're, you know, somewhere, but you're going to try and sort of play up good. And then there's like... Pretty good, and it, the emphatic "pretty good" feels like it's explicitly acknowledging that you're not actually just straight up unambiguously good, and that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying you have made a mistake by not presenting an unqualified front of goodness. I'm just saying it. There's a there's there's something there. There's a, there's already a little bit of an angle. There's a little bit of a narrative thread to tease out here because clearly clearly there's there's something other than just blissful utopia going on. That that's that's character. That's good. Sure. That's, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. Like what, um, one way you could have teased out like how I'm how I'm doing beyond just the beginning of that <laughs> sentence was to just let me finish the sentence. That like would have been one technique that's, you could that, have that, employed. That is, that's an interesting. I gotta keep. I'll, I'm gonna write that one down. I'm gonna put that in my book of uh, you know rhetorical techniques for uh, for conversation. But now we're just gonna argue about this instead. So yeah, this here's is good. the thing. So how are you? <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> Pretty good. Like depending on inflection can mean actually surprisingly good do you know what oh, i mean sure sure it yeah could, it could be yeah you mean like employed in such a way to say I'm, like actually now good. that i think about it i'm not doing too fucking bad that kind yeah, of thing I'm, you know what i mean 
Yeah. And which like, is different than like, yeah, not too bad, you know? Acknowledging how good things are. So it's it could be that uh, it's better than just good, but it's also self-surprising because I'm on a big upswing and I'm like, gosh, now that you ask, pretty, I'm doing like, pretty good. Your man's suddenly coming awake to the nature of the goodness of your situation. You're like Rip Van Winkle awaking yeah. from a shitty nap to realize that time has passed and, and you know, you're pretty good. Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I, now that I uh, brush myself off and get my bearings, I'm I'm doing pretty good yeah. these days. Now that you brush that shit off. Of you. Yeah. Now brush that. You, that, you started all that shit that's attached to you, and you're just sort of. Well, Rip Van Winkle was sleeping in really, the woods for a long time. I mean, oh yeah, he 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 presumably would have just been like surrounded by a giant pile of his own, you know, accumulated feces. Oh, his you're mind. thinking his own. I was thinking just yeah. like you know animals who. Yeah. Who no, I think he was a. I think he was know a him shit from a machine. Okay. I want to open this episode really strong with talking about poop just in case someone comes listening to it because they liked that classy other podcasting I just did. I was like, oh, yeah, well, let's hear more. What, what else is this guy up to? Rip Van Winkle was a shit machine mm. is what? I, I disagree. Beer. I disagree. Because what he wasn't eating anything. He's He was obviously ah. in a state of like uh, uh, kind of like fantasy stasis, sort of like a spell was cast upon him. I don't know thing. why that's obvious. I don't think I his think, biology was continuing to function because he would have to be eating for him to be shitting continuously. Otherwise, squirrels he'd just were probably turn shoving things out. in his mouth. Squirrels were probably shoving things in his mouth, and it oh. started out as like a squirrel prank. They're like, "Oh, check out this guy! Let's shove stuff in his mouth." But then they started to feel responsible, and it became a whole cultural thing. He 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 woke up in a new world, not just because he'd been asleep so long, but while he was asleep, squirrels had actually developed an entire sentient like culture based around the realization, sort of this dawning self-awareness of their ability to care ethically for another being different from themselves. They became essentially a society of like Quaker squirrels who, who took it on themselves to maintain this poor Rip Van Winkle fellow. They didn't call him that, obviously. They, they use whatever squirrel language squirrels use when they're discussing uh, uh, Frisbee golf. But, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, deep cut, deep cut. As they uh, are but, wont to do, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the squirrels, like, you know, and he never saw a squirrel when he woke up. You, you have to look carefully at the original text of the stories, but he never saw a squirrel. The, uh, it's explicitly mentioned on almost every page of the story that there were no squirrels there, which at first you think is just a cute thing. But then you realize it's because the squirrels are hiding themselves because they developed, among other things, a sense of discretion, really a sense of shame, too, and they don't want to be seen by what they perceive to be their god. The version of the story that you read mentioned on every page that there were every no squirrels page. around him? Yes, yes. Okay. Did it talk about other things that weren't in the story? No, no. Okay, just, just, it just, just described the one thing yeah. that wasn't in the story. Yes. Okay. In, very thorough, about but it. specifically and repeatedly. Yes. Yes. So this you, definitely. Yeah. I, I, this definitely actually existed, and I read it. You posit a, a Rip Van Winkle scenario whereby Rip is just literally asleep, but he's still metabolizing and breathing, oh, yeah. and his heart's still yeah. beating. Yeah, he's not in stasis or anything. The, the squirrels develop some anti-aging. Formula the to feed him to keep him from dying. Be my next question, because yeah. like he, he he grows older, but at a much this is I should I should clarify this also takes place on Arrakis, and so there's a lot of melange involved, which is a you know a geriatric chemical, uh, and that's that's primarily why he ages but does not literally die despite the great length of his sleep. I don't know what Arrakis is. It's 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 like Updog. Huh. Oh yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, we've discussed that at great length in the past. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? 
I, uh, I, I have, uh, in the last five minutes, made a personal pledge to never answer that question again. So I guess we're just going to have to ask you how you're doing. I'm, I'm great, thanks. Oh, good. That's good I mean, to hear. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty really? good. Really? Pretty good. Yeah. But could be better. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're, you're uh, getting up there. Yeah. And yeah. Are you on the upswing? Uh, just, uh, you know, I'm, 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 at a, I'm at a reasonable altitude. Which, which way is the pendulum swinging? It's, if, uh, you if know, you, uh, you know, if you, if you catch my meaning both ways back and forth, you well, know? Oh yeah. Well, great. Okay. So, so, so what is this, show? this is episode? Yeah. 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 Get it in the can. <laughs> that was 31. <laughs> Good talk to y'all. Am uh, I right that it, we're on 31? I, I haven't looked it up in the meantime since we didn't discuss it before. Cause we stopped, st- started recording after any such discussion ever happened, which it didn't. Well, we do. I've, you know, this is our show. We get to decide what number this is. It's thirty-one. Okay. I don't care yeah, what came before or right. after it. Good. It's a nice. It's a nice, solid number. It's a prime number. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a prime number that looks prime. You know, mm-hmm. that's you know, it's not like those prime numbers that don't look prime. Yeah, I'm trying I hate to think of a prime number that looks like conspicuously non-prime, and I can't actually think of one. Is twenty-seven, a prime number. No. It's what goes remotely. into twenty-seven? Uh, three, three times. It's a cube, even. You got oh. so far from being a prime number there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed for you. I'm Josh Millard, by the way. Hi, Josh Millard. I'm Jesse Holden. It's good to meet you. dun 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 dun, dun. Crapshoot. dun dun boo uh, yep. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm feeling like I might just use the uh, the old Resonator guitar intro for a couple episodes here. In fact, yeah, go for it. maybe it could come to be the theme of your Huntsville uh, remote recording endeavor here. That- that that could be. I'd be fine with that. Run with it. And then when you're back, we can go back to the old jingle. Yeah, that sounds good because I like them both so much. Um, yeah. How how's the guitar working out? It's working out great, actually. I'm really liking it. My my, I have calluses again now, which is nice. I think last time we talked, my fingers hurt very badly because I kept playing guitar with fingers that I hadn't been playing guitar with so much. Um, although you know, maybe I had just gotten that day and hadn't even gotten as far as really having painful fingers but uh anyway it's going great i'm really liking the thing it's 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 got some cool sounds i'm trying to play differently than i have played guitar in the past to sort of get new things out of it and yeah that's really fun isn't it. it yeah yeah i like, I like that because yeah, i've been playing guitar so long that i have like a lot of sort of habitual like i'm, I'm a, a reasonably good guitar player but i sort of forget to like try and do weird stuff because i'm just not that naturally i don't know experimental of a musician I sort of have to blunder into something new to really remember to be like, oh, I can try this random thing that might not work. And then every once in a while something does. I was like, yeah, it's great. So not being a guitar player myself, I, I it makes me think of like when I find a new pen, but it's really like a good pen. And I just, I'm like, what's my handwriting like with this pen? And it'll yeah. come out and I have, um, I actually have a lot of different hand, like I have like a small caps thing I do with sometimes a f- types of felt tip pens or kind of a swoopy thing or a really, really straight, neat, straight letter thing. And it uh, it comes from a um, troubled youth uh, fixated on graffiti and letter forms and typography, graffiti overlap stuff in my brain. So um, a lot of times I'll just find a new, completely new style of handwriting just from trying a new pen. And it's really enjoyable. Um, yeah, when it's a great pen. Yes, I, I, I'm willing to adapt that metaphor to to guitars because it, it sort of it comes out differently, right? It's you know, it, it, there's a reason that um, one's instrument is is uh, employed metaphorically as well as literally when you're talking about the tools you use for your craft. 
Yeah, totally. No, different guitars have different feel, you know, different sounds. Um, you know, you can even change the, the gauge of string on a guitar and, and, and get a little bit of a different feel. Um, so yeah, having something with such a different basic sound to it is really sort of getting me listening to things slightly differently, which is neat. Well, that's uh, cool. If you want to, I mean, if you happen to be inclined and banged out a couple more little, uh, three, three or five second, you know, 10 second stings, um, that, I really liked that in the last episode using those as bumpers. Yeah. I may, I, I, I may, uh, I may knock some, some more out for you if you so happen to. So I'm kind of dancing around your big news a little bit and teasing you a little bit, but, yes, uh, you, bit. you launched a new podcast today. I did. I did. Uh, unbeknownst to me, you launched yeah, un- it under uh, the cover of darkness. <laughs> uh, unbeknownst to everybody almost, <laughs> you know, unbeknownst to everybody except for, uh, my coworkers on, on, uh, uh on Metafilter basically. Uh, yeah, no, it's congratulations. A, it's a it's a hell of a thing. I, I'm 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 really pleased with it. It's usually more work than this episode. This show is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's 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 an interesting thing. So yeah, the podcast is uh it's called Out of the Blue, and it's it's about Metafilter stuff. But unlike the actual traditional Metafilter podcast, which we've we certainly talked about a little bit before on this show, um, but I've never really strongly recommended it to people to go listen to because if you don't read Metafilter and don't sort of pay attention to the site. Uh, the podcast is going to be a whole lot of inside baseball and it's going to be like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of it. Um, and you know, I'd like to think you'd hear friendly jocular people talking about interesting stuff, but you know, it's usually me and Justin and, and Matt Howie, uh, talking in a really comfortable, uh, sort of site internal way about stuff. So we'll mention users and not explain stuff. We'll mention threads and not explain stuff. We'll use site jargon. Lots of stuff that's, you know, really not going to be super accessible to a random listener, um, which is fine because that's really, it's, it's for the Metafilter user base. You know, it's a, it's a show we make because people who use the site regularly like sort of hearing another take on what's going on and hearing us sort of joking about that stuff. Um, but it's kind of a shame that it's not really accessible to people who aren't already avid Metafilter fans because there isn't a lot of neat stuff on Metafilter. And so I got to thinking, uh, what if we really did a short sort of poppy little show that was like, you know, 10, 12 minutes long, tightly edited, uh, actually, you know, scripted and put together carefully, uh, basically do all the work that I loathe doing <laughs> for every other yeah. podcast I work on and sit down and really edit the hell out of something and plan it from start to finish. And, and yeah. And so I put together a test episode for it just to see if it would work. And I was like, yeah, no, this really does work. And so we launched that today and, you know, notionally it's going to be, you know, once a month, it might turn out to be more like once every couple of weeks. It's going to kind of depend on how, how much work it is, how much material there is, you know, how things balance out there. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm really happy with it. And it it is it is a really, really weird way to be working on a podcast after a couple years of really enjoying doing this very explicitly go with the flow long form uh no holds barred uh sort of thing that I've dragged you along with. <laughs> right. Um right, it's kind of an exposure therapy thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you know, I'm sure you're gonna talk about it. Uh, plenty on the Metafilter podcast. So anyone who's interested in learning the ins and outs and behind the scenes of the new show, uh, which is called Out of the Blue, not From Out, out of, the, of blue. the Blue. I keep wanting to no. say From Out of the Blue. Sorry. That's not bad, but it's, it's one word longer. I was going for, you know, punchy. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's better. Out of the blue is better. I just it's it's just it's so new. I just can't yep. even remember. Yeah, I know it's crazy, man. So yeah, I'm sure anyone who wants the inside baseball of the not inside baseball episode can listen to or show can listen to the inside baseball next episode <laughs> of the Metafilter <laughs> podcast. Have we successfully get, talked people are listening to the actual out of the blue podcast at this point? Oh, I hope so. I'm t- I'm I'm intensely jealous. I hope you realize that because I'm just trying to make sure it sounds as uh, unappealing as possible. As, yeah, as much no, as possible. Mo- mostly I just I'm trying. <laughs> to talk myself out of just picking your brain for three hours about the creative process and inspiration behind it because well it, if it turns out we have nothing else to talk about uh, <laughs> we'll come back to it later in the show here uh, I listened to the pilot episode it's great it's tightly put together uh, you make a really really good um, more traditional style host where you are f- have planned kind of every word that you're saying and are kind of <laughs> stringing it together and are th- <laughs> listening yeah, like, to yourself talk for the most I wrote stuff down ahead of time I did <laughs> yeah. multiple takes of stuff yeah. you know I I edited out filled pauses. It's madness. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned mean, it from it's, watching it's... you. Okay. Jesse. I learned it from watching you. Uh, this is really yeah. dumb, but I'm changing. I'm lowering my gain on my mic a little bit. Mid you should do recording that. I, here. So I, that you, it felt a little peaky, felt a little bit, felt a little bit hot. A little peaked. Yeah. Felt, felt like if this was, is this Mike hot or not.com, it would have mm. been a solid seven, eight. Did mm-hmm. that come up last time? Did I stop in the middle of our, our last episode to tweet that joke or was that unrelated? You did. And it was on the, if you listened to our show, you would know that you talked about it on the episode. Yeah, no, well. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if it was a tight 12 minutes, I'd listen to it. You know, we should, we should get on that. I mean, that uh, that honestly is one of my favorite things about the new show is how short it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, I yeah. Mean, the fact that, that it, it, is it, just, these... it started to come out in a funny way. Sorry. But but that it's <laughs> that it's tight. You know, I, I think that there's so there's so much room for 10 to 20 minute or to 10, like kind of 12 to 25, I guess I would say minute yeah. shows in my life. And so little remaining room for one to three hour shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's the struggle I've had within the cut is that I've always wanted it to be like a 20 to 40 minute show. And it's always a 40 to 120 minute show. Yeah. Despite my efforts. I mean, the last episode I put out was over three and a half hours of recording that I whittled down to about an hour 15. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's very hard. I mean... It's. I think I've even used this analogy before, but it's like Mark Twain is supposedly said to have, uh, or, or or supposed to have said was, uh, "Sorry, I, I wrote you such a wrong long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one." Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing where it's so easy to make a long show, fill a oh, long totally, show. Totally, totally, yeah. And it's so difficult to make a tight, you know, a tight short show that still accomplishes what you want. So, yeah. uh, kudos, kudos to you because it came out really, really well. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say, you know, I I, I talked probably twenty, you know, fifteen twenty minutes with a nice book rack uh, on Skype, you know, and probably three quarters of that was just actual conversation back and forth, and then a little bit of chatter about sort of the meta ideas of it and and whatever other business and it's the sort of thing where it could have been left at like you know 15 minutes straight with music on the front and the back and it wouldn't have been bad but it it would have been you know a very sort of pause-filled extemporaneous conversation that wandered a little bit versus yeah exactly that sort of much tighter thing that it right. ended up being if someone wants that then they can listen to anything else that you record exactly exactly <laughs> basically listen to 
all but 12 minutes of my 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 recorded material <laughs> corpus. for the other experience. I mean, how, how much work was that? How much did it take to put that one that first episode together? You know, it's it's tricky because it was a mix of putting the episode together and also figuring out how to put the episode together and generating assets like the music for it on there. That little theme song, you know, came together uh, in a couple stages from an early sketch and then messing around for an hour or so in, in reason probably to turn it into more of an actual song. But I won't need to do that, you know, for the next episode if I want to use the same music. So that's sort of, you know, it's it's an invested hour in infrastructure or whatever. Um, I probably spent, you know, a, an hour or two uh, going through and editing down the segments from the raw interview, like the raw 15 to 20 minutes, editing that down into like 12 or 14, you know, mid or so long chunks, breaking them up by topic changes and then going in and editing those down to tighten them up, get up, get rid of the pauses and the filled pauses and whatnot and really get them to flow pretty tightly. Um, so that was a couple hours of that just to sort of whittle that bit down. And I already kind of knew what was there because uh, I planned ahead a little bit, had some questions to ask, you know, made sure I hit some major stuff with her uh, when we talked about it originally and, and sort of got the material I needed. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it, it was several hours work, certainly, to turn that into an episode, having started with just a conversation. And I would imagine that most episodes would take me, you know, a few hours of work to turn into an episode. It may get a little bit faster over time as I get used to the process more. But uh, I definitely spent more time on that than I spend on this show. <laughs> Even counting the two hours that I spend talking during this show. Uh, but then that's because literally all I do is call you up, talk about whatever the hell we talk about, send you a file, and then I'm done, which is uh, fantastic, you know, for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, 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 is, it is weird. It's a lot more effort per minute of resulting audio uh, than something like this, uh, which is why I tend traditionally not to do that sort of thing just because it's been really nice to just goof around basically on mic the last couple of years in this and, and the podcast I do with, with Yakov and, and with the Metafilter podcast for that matter, since that doesn't really get edited so much. It's one of the things that you and I always, always come back to when we're talking, um, when yeah. we don't have a guest, uh, we, we probably should have guests more often because we're just going <laughs> to keep to saying this. the same things to each other. <laughs> but one of those same things is definitely that, uh, I, I pull you in one direction creatively and you pull me in the other direction creatively. Not that we're each other's, you know, primary muses or anything, but I think there's a little bit of nudging that goes on there. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my angle on this project that you're coming out with is how does, you know, how does that feel? How does that hit you does it does it feel like demoralizing or exciting that that you are going to be putting more episode or sorry you're going to be putting more energy per minute into each episode on that than any of your other similar you know i'm actually i i am excited you know i i think i think i would be worried if what i was trying to do was do that sort of scale of effort on something that was longer like i i still even having, you know, spent the last week off and on in bits and pieces, you know, putting that together from scratch and it being, you know, a fair amount of work to bootstrap that whole thing. I still think you're crazy <laughs> to do that within the cut because I, I imagine the amount of work I did for 12 minutes and then to try and scale it up by, you know, an order of magnitude. And Jesus, I'd lose a week. You know, I would lose my mind. 
but doing it one at a time like that, like doing just like really working on these 12 minutes. Um, I, I really enjoyed putting that together. Actually, I was surprised I was, I was doing it partly to find out if it would drive me crazy doing it. And I found out, no, actually this, I can sort of bite off and chew this much, you know? And so it was, it, 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 I was, I was surprised and pleased to find that it actually felt like not a bad idea. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing more of it because I think I think it's it's the it's the right amount for me to be able to put that kind of care and attention right uh, at an editing level. Because there's never a one to one relationship between how much work you put into something and how good it comes out. And that's oh, sure, yeah. a truth I've sometimes struggled with <laughs> even before I was doing any audio anything whatsoever when I was just in terms of like painting or drawing or anything. I just always felt like if I put more time into something, uh, it would come out better. And that's, so that was kind of my responsibility to the work to make it as good as I could. And that was just kind of how I was wired. And thus it was a big realization to know that there's such thing as overworking something. And there's such a thing as not knowing when to stop and when to stop fucking with it. And just, you know, you're working against your purpose at a certain point by yeah. over editing and you've kind of lost sight of the vision of the completed work and you just get so far off into the weeds and down into the details that you just end up gutting the whole thing and you end up with nothing or a shell, I guess is a bit better analogy. Yeah. yeah. Very, very diminishing returns and sort of flying right past the, uh, the goal. And, yeah. Right. Right. And you have to stop, not just when you, <laughs> you have to stop, not just before you start making it worse but before the effort to make it better isn't is no longer worth it. And that's kind of yeah. the trick. You know, maybe this energy is better directed towards the next thing. I mean, that was this last episode that I was talking about editing for In the Cut was um, going from a three and a half hour conversation. It was just because the conversation was bad. We just were like we were really loose. Um, we had, you know, popped open another bottle of wine before we started talking. <laughs> and uh, and, it, and it just was meandering. And we kept getting off the in the weeds. And then we kept having conversations. We're like, oh, this isn't even for the podcast, blah, 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 blah. And at a certain point, it's like, what? It, I, I, it was really stupid of me to try and salvage an episode out of it. Not that I think the episode came out bad, but because it would take two hours to just start over and re-record what yeah, it took exactly. 12 hours to edit down to the same state. Well, yeah, and that's a hard thing. And I mean, that's one of the things that definitely I'm, I don't tend to overwork stuff as a result of that creatively. I tend to just not get something done because of that. I tend, I tend to be so disinclined to sort of redo something that what I'll do is maybe try it once. If it doesn't come together quickly, then I'm like, well, fuck it. And I, you know, just let it die on the vine instead of regrouping, coming back and giving another shot from scratch. Uh, and every once in a while I have actually made that effort and usually been pretty happy with it. You know, sometimes it takes a couple extra tries every once in a while. It's just super frustrating because I give it like three or four tries and every one of them just leaves me unsatisfied. And then I'm like, well, fuck, I, I didn't even listen to my own lazy ass and not try. And what do I get for it? Nothing, you know, but, uh, but you know, sometimes if you keep pushing, you do get it. And it's, it's a weird thing. I did a cover of wider shade of pale a few years ago, uh, which is, uh, a song I've always liked. Um, and I, I'd thought off and on for years and years and years of, of covering it. And I decided one day I'm just, well, by God, I'm going to do it. And I, I think I may have been even sort of like a bad mood. I was like, I'm going to process this into working on this thing. And, you know, I've done that on occasion. I end up working on a song and then I made something creative. I feel happy about it. I feel better. You know, it's great. 
And I think instead what I ended up with was an unsatisfying pile of crap. I was like, ah, no, I don't like this. I can't fucking use this. And, uh, but then I came back to it like, you know, a couple days later, I was like, okay, well, let's try this again. I'm going to take a, a different approach to this. Maybe I'll come up with something. And I was like, oh no, it's all shit, you know? And this went on three or four times and I ended up actually in like an extra bad mood, like that week, that day, you know, where I had tried this and I hadn't even managed to do the, I'm going to bully on through and get something out of my bad mood thing. I just ended up, ended up failing several times and in a really shitty mood, uh, and then I ended up coming up with something I liked after all, but it would have been so easy to not because like I basically got petty and said, okay, now I'm going to just do a shitty recording on my iPhone. Like I'm just going to play piano into the microphone of my phone and it's going to be distorted and sound kind of shitty. Uh, and, and I ended up banging out something that was very noisy and sloppy, but also did gel and that was great, but like there was no guarantee it was going to happen. And I don't know if I would be on average more happy or more frustrated or both if I actually tried to do that sort of thing more often. But the fact is I just don't, you know, usually I really go in the, well, I tried it, it didn't gel, fuck it, let's do something else sort of school of thought on that. Totally, totally. Sort of got, sort of got my, my wind up there, I guess. No, that's, I love that. That's, this is, this is what, I I mean, if it's not obvious from the last 30 episodes, this is like one of those... (laughs) Things that I just always go back to because I love talking about it and I love hearing about it. Just the creative process and what works and what doesn't and how we work and how we trick our brains into the doing these things and I, what what's you know what's exciting about it and what's always miserable about it and what's grueling and yeah. what's rewarding and all that. I mean it's it's just it's it's super super interesting to me. I do think this is a good spot for a break and I think instead of the play, using a resonator guitar sting, we should just use the song you were just talking about, the whiter shit of pale cover. All right, sounds good. <laughs> As That'll a little work. bumper. think we're back i think you're right i think all we right are. here we are <laughs> <laughs> um i kind of want to continue on that for a second because i will on your podcast project for a second because there's a sure. lot of directions obviously my mind goes because um this uh podcast production stuff has been on my mind so much certainly so i um, would you say it resonates with you i would say that it even resonates <laughs> with me do you feel like you're uh sort of in the process right now of of feeling that out then pretty actually trying to figure out what your sort of sales pitch yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the elevator pitch for it? Right. Like what, I mean, if, if, if I think if there's someone who says I have a great idea for a show and I believe them that they have a great idea for a show and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what mic to buy. I don't know what software to use. I don't know how to set up a website. I don't know how to create the cover art for this and stuff yeah. like that's like I can step right into that but that's also a lot to bite off at first right I, I, I kind of in the in the early days of tr- trying to put together an alliance of podcasts I'm kind of more drawn to ones that are pretty fully formed already but I think they're also ones that I have the least immediate you know benefits to offer yeah it's tricky what you need to do is find 
some really smart, creative people who are also fucking train wrecks, but rich mm-hmm. and probably pretty coked up <laughs> and hit them like right at the peak in a conversation at a club mm-hmm. and just like, you know, handshake deal right there. And then they show up with 10 grand the next day at a hangover. Right. I think that's, that's, that's my suggestion for a, a, a well, reasonable who's a, conservative well, business strategy. You said 10 grand? Sure, yeah. Who's giving who the 10 grand? They're, they're giving you the 10 grand. Why man. do I they're, need the money? Well, no, I think they're saying, bro, let's make this happen. Let's do it. Oh, okay. So I'm like, I'm like the, kidding them out with the recording yeah, space you're, you're, and stuff? Yeah, they're, they're funding your provisioning of their scattered okay. but genius, rich, coked out dream, I guess. <laughs> The main thing is I just want this to involve a discussion over a table in a nightclub while you're doing rails. That's that's mostly. Well, that's how I'm recording the podcast. Are you what are you doing? Are you in the house or something? (laughs) But all of which is to come back to. um, I mean, I would I would love to have this type of partnership around your new show. But I also don't know that it's that really there would be anything there for you in that. It's except that it would be fun to just like have you know, a, a name and a coalition around yeah. the show, except that yours is kind of more of, of a kin with the Metafilter podcast, which itself is more under the Metafilter imprint than under like a podcast network imprint. And that yeah, makes yeah, sense. It's, it, it's weird that way. Cause like it's a show that could very much exist independent of Metafilter in principle, but as, as you know, in practice, it's very much, you know, very actively a Metafilter project and, and, and very much something that I'm associating uh, on that side with sort of the Metafilter brand and with our existing podcast. And, you know, uh, so I think it's, it's tied in there so tightly that it's hard to know how to think about it in terms of any other sort of notional network. But at the same time, it's a sort of thing that like feels like, yeah, it could be part of a, you know, network of other stuff. And so, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of thinking to sort out on that front. Um, that I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about previously because the whole, you know, the existence of the show is a new idea as of like a week ago. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's weird, but, uh, but yeah, no, here's yet another thing that strikes such a big difference between you and me is that you, um, the time between when you, when you started work on it and when it was available to the public was so short. And when I, started in the cut and were it were I to start a project like yours, I would get like five episodes under my belt before I even let the world know that episode one existed. Yeah. Because I would feel like I, I just had to be that far ahead and that I would, I would feel so much more comfortable knowing the direction it was going and what was in the pipeline and that something could come up that delayed me or took me out of the, out of the process for some time and the show could continue to come out regularly and stuff. Sure. And, yeah. Um, but that's just so not how you, uh, work. That's, yeah, that's so it, not yeah. how you produce. Yeah, I, I don't tend to have a whole lot of patience uh, once I start actually making a thing before when I want to show it to people. But also in this case, I'd, I'd sort of thought about that and should I try and bank a couple episodes? But then the test episode, I ended up contacting uh, this Mephite, a uh, nice book rack, and saying, hey, can we do this? And it was really topical. Like it was very timely. So it's like, I could do this and bank a couple of other episodes and launch this, you know, a month from now, but this just happened. Like, this is like, this is current. I should just, I should make it happen. So that actually pushed me a little bit more towards doing what I would have been inclined to do in the first place, granted. Uh, but it sort of pushed me definitely strongly in that direction of let's, like, let's just figure out the answer to as many questions as I can 
to a degree that I'm comfortable with those answers and then make a decision to give it a shot. And, and, you know, I, as much as anything, it came down to me being certain that I felt I would be able to put together another show or two in the next month and that there were no big hanging questions, um, that I didn't actually have an answer to when I decided to pretend that I had an answer to them. So, <laughs> sure. uh, which is why I made the episode. Like, like I made this episode really last week. Um, you know, I, I talked to her on the phone on Thursday, I want to say, and then spent Thursday afternoon doing some preliminarying and Friday putting the rest of it together. Uh, and, and, and I did that so that I would actually have it and be able to say, okay, this was what it felt like to make these 12 minutes. This is what these 12 minutes sound like. Is what I came up with actually close enough to what I was imagining I would come up with to be satisfactory and did I discover any big, Oh shit, I don't know how to deal with this things in there. Or do I actually have more or less the skill set I'm imagining I have. And the fact that it all came together and the fact that I wasn't surprised by any big, Oh fuck moments is really kind of what made it possible to move so quickly on it. Cause like there could have been any number of things where I was like, Oh, this really doesn't work. And then, you know, maybe I would have sat on this for another month working it out uh, or even said, wow, no, this is, this was not the good idea I thought it was. Um, hmm. but then there's net, there's never any evidence of those because like, if I just set it down and say, eh, then, you know, it would be a passing, Oh, you know, I was kind of thinking about sort of thing in conversation, uh, instead of a thing I made. And yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a weird, there's a certain volatility to my creative instincts there that, you know, is satisfying when they're producing fruit, but also means I think I, I put less effort into things that could be something uh, than someone with a little bit more stick to itiveness at at the sort of try and fail stage, uh, you know, might see. Sure, I'm not sure that ended up being a grammatical sentence from where it started because it was very long. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, leave, I, I should have been you on iTunes telling us how <laughs> grammatical our sentences are. <laughs> you know, it's a sort of thing where you hear so you know, so a friend or somebody you care about going out on a limb in a little bit and you're you have a little bit of a oh god, what if it sucks? <laughs> I know. What I if know. I hate it? This is gonna be so weird and bad if I hate it. Yeah. But uh but then it came out great. It really, really, really did. And uh and uh congratulations. Thanks. Can I say can, can we have just like real real bro time here? Let's have real uh, bro time. Uh, I felt a little bit weird doing it without talking to you in the process, even though it's a totally random independent creative project, you know, even though there's no, like, like this is not some violation of some blood pact we made, <laughs> you know, in, in years I, past or anything. I can't believe you fucking forgot the blood pact already. <laughs> now I'm really, I wasn't even that upset until you just had to fucking harp on it like that. Well, in my defense, I had lost a lot of blood. I had lost a lot of blood during that pact. So <laughs> I think, I think you're supposed to cut thumbs, not like carotid arteries is what I found out. If later you want to have research. some kind of wimpy ass, <laughs> shitty blood pact that it's barely binding at all, you go ahead and do that with someone else. When you make a blood <laughs> Packed with me, you wake up in the hospital a week later. But yeah, so like you know, I still I was like, oh man, I hope Jesse doesn't feel like somehow weird about this because like I wasn't like, hey Jesse, I'm doing a <laughs> podcasting and it's not, you know, it's different. 
And to some extent, the fact that I'm, I've put so much editing effort into something after like refusing to cooperate with you, wanting to do basic editing on stuff, uh, it also felt a little bit like like it's like oh no, buddy, I don't I don't wear pants. Like every time you come to my house, I'm like oh no, pants aren't done. And then suddenly I'm on TV wearing like the fanciest trousers you've Selling ever seen. Selling pants, me in. yeah, yes, pants of the future. <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, this whole, this whole, the whole universe of the podcasting and how, and how, and our various projects and stuff, it's, it's all just one big unfolding flower. It's, we're just figuring it out as we go and stuff. So, it's a, um, it's, it's a slow release, slow, slow release. <laughs> Damn it. Fuck it. Move on. <laughs> I get what you're saying. And, and, you know, one of my first reactions was like, hey, this is a cool project. It would be cool to be a part of something like this. But it wasn't like, I can't believe Josh is just doing this and not having it be a me and Josh production. Right. Yeah. But uh, what I am going to do is just repackage every episode you release and add a little stinger <laughs> for Resonator Network on the end. <laughs> Set up an alternate website with a common typo for whatever URL you choose and just uh, squat on that and see what you do about yeah, it. Yeah, No, that's solid. Solid. <laughs> did you see the? Oh, did you see the fucking you, thing? You with, and I could be like the um, Sarkeesian effect guys, where we just get so we end up getting so fallen out with each other that we decide we're each going to make our own version of the fucking thing. Yes, and yes. It's just such a fucking that would be tragedy great. from beginning to end. Dueling, dueling, parallelized episodes of a podcast we refuse to cooperate on. <laughs> I'd see that just seems fun to me. I don't know, but um, no, I'm actually kind of getting excited about that. <laughs> some sort of it would like be a really great meta feud. project, kind of. Yeah, like, um, like, you, you don't get the whole story unless you listen to both and kind of like take a side as a listener. It could become a, a, like like making and making and remaking over and over again. Uh, just a single episode of a podcast. Do like like it starts out as like. Like okay, this is turning into like a pitch for a bit, but <laughs> but you know the the notional first podcast is a, a a friendly, you know, fifteen minute podcast with a couple of friends, you know, and they get together and they do the podcast, and that's the first episode, and it's clumsy, but it's friendly. They're bumbling around, they don't really know what they're doing, but they're having a nice enough time, and they decide the second episode would be they decide that okay, that was pretty good, but you know. Some people had some good advice and, you know, maybe we can do it again. So we're basically going to do it again. We're going to do uh, a, a better version of that episode. And that starts to get a little bit fractious because maybe they got different advice from different people. And so it's simultaneously a little bit more organized, a little bit more polished, but but also sort of those rough edges are coming out there. And then they put out a third episode, which is the, okay, well, this time we're going to get it. I feel like we've, but that one just falls the fuck apart. And then after that, you start getting their independent versions of it. Like each of them decides they're going to reboot the podcast by themselves. Fuck the other guy. And it turns into this weird sort of back and forth, petty warfare of, of recording and editing techniques and the, the format, the content of the show changes over time. It becomes more and more about their feud and less and less about the ostensible subject of the podcast. And I don't know, you get like 10 episodes deep into this and it's just a weird, big mutant, you know, deconstructed, passive aggressive argument in the form of iterations of some recorded material or something. Uh, I don't know what the subject would be. I don't know how you'd actually manage that decay and deconstruction, but, but if somebody, I, I guess I'm thinking Lars von Trier here, maybe gets into the podcast <laughs> as a format to, you know, do weird fucking, you know, cinematic art with essentially that's, that's my pitch. 
Paul's tale That a face One of my to- the the last remaining topic in this hat, the one that I was um, most uh, trepidatious about was I just wrote advertising on one <laughs> because okay. I kind of I have I have complicated fucking feelings about advertising. Um, do you think that you would ever put advertising on your other shows? Uh, which show? Well, uh, the, your new one. I don't know. Let's you know, start I mean. With. I, I I have no particular desire to, but at the same time, you know, it's that shows somewhat different from this one or we have such films to show you in that it is, you know, in part a business concern, you know. And so if I were to put advertising on it, I would be putting advertising on it for a different reason than I would put advertising on a personal podcast. If you were to advertise on that show, any money you made from the advertising would be meta filter income and not yeah, like, yeah, absolutely be different than if you like sold a drawing or something. Yeah. Like if, if I came, if I come away from out of the blue, uh, feeling like this is a new model of how I want to spend my energy podcasting and I get excited about doing a personal podcast, um, that is totally unrelated to that, then that would be, a totally different, and that's something I would think about very differently than how I think about the actual Metafilter stuff. But yeah, I consider that new one I launched, uh, Out of Blue, is really very much it's a Metafilter project. You know, it's a it's a Metafilter product. Um, it's it's inextricably tied up in its current form uh, with the site and with my responsibilities there, uh, running the site, rather than being a creative project that just sort of happens to be about Metafilter. I have I have a complicated relationship with advertising, and it's that I. Th- I I love that things can be enabled by advertising that wouldn't exist otherwise, creative works. But I also think that advertising, there's a power that advertising casts over anything it touches. And this is just my kind of weird, like, proto or like whatever, post-hippie, anarchistic, troubled teen years and the philosophy that came from them that I've decided is going to run my life secretly (laughs) (laughs) kind of coming through. But I, I, I find, you know, I, I think advertising is, there's too much of it in this world. It's insidious and, and ill spirited and manipulative and does a lot more harm than good in the world. Just advertising itself. I mean, if I could push a button and evaporate all advertising in a split second, I would probably push that button. Sure understanding that there's fallout from that right understanding yeah. that all of a sudden creative works that were you know that was their model may not exist or may not evolve or may not you know get get away from that in any way but i i i think that advertising i mean all you have to do is look at a photo of like times square or any downtown place where someone has just taken photoshop and edited out every advertisement to realize like 
A, how fucking insanely pervasive tens of thousands of, of things were bombarded with every single waking moment of our lives. And it's really uh, like a pollutant. It's a pollutant to our mental environment. Um, but also like how just incredibly relieving it is to see what the world is like without this in like uh, ever present insane bombardment of our minds going on. And the, it's hard for me to square that with a medium and an endeavor with the podcast network that pretty much you, you either go the full crowd funded method and approach or you, uh, you know, accept that advertising is going to be part of the equation. And I think you can advertise responsibly. I think you can pick your advertisers. I think you can choose who and who you don't, who you do and who you don't, you know, want to put your name on. But it, it, no matter what, I think you're compromising the product in some sense by allowing advertising to be part and parcel with the thing you're making. Sure. Sure. Does that make sense? It does make sense. That's a bit I, of a rant, uh, unplanned yes. rant there. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I basically agree that advertising is a problematic and pervasive thing that does ultimately, I think, more harm than good. And most of the good it does is actually more in terms of providing job income for people than for accomplishing communicative good. Uh, I, I think, I think there is a sort of fundamental compromise that comes with allowing advertising to be part of uh, a product even before you get to specific compromising effects. And I think it's, it's a, it's a horribly problematic thing that, uh, is, is, is definitely a, a drain on all the many things it touches, which are almost all commercial works in, in the world. Um, and also, I love it because it's why I have a job. It's, I was you know, going to say, like, there's no meta filter with that advertising, yeah, no, right? No, seriously. I mean, yeah, there really that's, isn't. That's, that's like the immediate profound impact. Like, meta filters, fortunes have been the biggest touch point for me on thinking about the nature of advertising and advertising revenue uh, over the last, you know, eight years, ever since I got a job there, basically. Because um, I got hired because of advertising generating revenue that's you know it's where all of metafilters well not all of but most of metafilters revenue comes from at this point we we're now as of the last uh, year in change you know a significant minority chunk of our income comes from direct funding from users of the site because we had a financial crisis and they were like okay well we want to help so that this we can stop this crisis and maybe turn things around and, you know, so we receive, you know, thousands of dollars every month in recurring user donations. And it's incredibly generous and incredibly helpful. And it's made our budget much more manageable, but it is still a minority of our revenue, you know, and the majority, uh, the bulk of it is from Google AdSense running in the Ask Metafilter archives. And then there's money coming in from Amazon affiliate stuff for when people post links to Amazon uh, products on the site, you know, we insert the Metafilter uh, affiliate code, and that propagates through to us getting a, you know, percentage on any sales that come from a visit that was based on one of those. Uh, you know, we get some other advertising money from uh, the Deck Network uh, does direct advertising with us, and I was going to ask if we were still doing Deck stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
So they're, they're still involved. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say there's a couple other little ancillary things, but you know, that's those three different, you know, advertising and, uh, affiliate things are almost all of Metafilter's income. And, and if we took a principled stand on any of that, we'd just shut down. Like that came up actually, I did a big state of the site update, um, uh, like a month, month and a half ago, uh, saying, Hey, this is where we are. And it was mostly good news. Actually. It was like, Hey, compared to last year when we were in a, <laughs> a horrible financial crisis right. and had to lay people off, things are kind of okay. They're steady. They're growing just a little bit. User contributions have helped the, the revenue outlook in general has been a little bit better. And, you know, you know, we've been able to do a couple good things and, and thank you all so much. And, Hopefully things keep ticking up. And one of the things that came up there is like, okay, well, if we've managed to uh, get rid of this thing that sucked, how about we also stop associating with Amazon, you know, because they have shitty business practices or, or you know, one or another thing. Like, I'm sure you could take your pick of things specifically to complain about about Amazon. They're a giant corporation who does have a number of shitty business practices, which is part of why they're a giant corporation. Hmm. Uh but like, you know, I had no useful answer I could give the guy because there was no way I could say, you're right. Let's throw away thousands of dollars a month in revenue because they suck because they do suck. But they also are thousands of dollars in really, really passive revenue. And, you know, there's there's no way to make that argument that isn't just literally saying, no, the money is worth more than taking a stand on that. But, you know, it's not something I'm going to shut down a site that 10,000 people use to take a stand on, you know, it's not something I can make that decision. Uh, and, and that's a weird thing to find myself saying, you know, if you'd asked some idealistic, you know, 20 year old version of me, a hypothetical about this, you know, 15 years ago in college, I don't know exactly what he would say, but I do know he would be saying it based on being asked a hypothetical, you know, in a college dorm room rather than saying, well, I've got several employees and a whole bunch of community members. And, you know, so it's hard to get a whole lot of distance on that. Like I can step back far enough to say, I recognize there's problematic shit about, you know, advertising. It's, it's weird that most of our money comes from people who I think only generate money for us by finding our site by accident on Google not finding what they're looking for and then being dumb enough to click on a Google ad. Like that is, that is why Metafilter exists and employs, you know, several people full time is because there's enough of those people in the world doing that inexplicable thing that I can't even fathom to keep the lights on, you know? And so there's an arguable, even setting aside the advertising objection, there's an arguable principled stand to take on saying I should not be enabling this obviously dumb behavior that can't be good for anybody and is essentially exploiting, you know, uh, ignorance or, you know, relative lack of competence in basic web surfing, uh, to, to fill their own goals. You know, it's like, what do you do there? Like, how do you, how do you look at that and actually make a decision that isn't fundamentally, you know, sort of compromised from the get go? You know, I don't think it's possible to actually be principled to that degree, you know, in the position I'm in, you know, there, there's, there's no, there's no clear answer unless I am such a hardliner about anti-advertising 
that I am willing to say, no, Metafilter is way less important than taking a principled stand to say, we won't, you know, use advertising services. You know, that's, it, it's a weird thing. It's a weird, weird thing. I remember uh, Matt Howie getting called to the mat a little bit when he changed the format of the advertising in Ask Metafilter um, so that the style, the style sheet for the ad was more in line with the, you know, yeah. colors and text and stuff that the answers in an Ask Metafilter thread were. And he got called to the mat to that a little bit. Yeah, well, and and he's like, well, you know, it's it's labeled as an ad and... I was asked to try this, and when I did, it was incredibly successful, and this is what keeps the lights on for a site like this. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, what goes unsaid there is, you know, the more people know it's an ad, the less they'll click on it. Yep. And so we are being duplicitous. It's, I mean, I don't think there's a way around that. Yeah, it's, no, it's, 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 it's... Is that we make our money from people who we feel like don't meet the, our threshold of internet savviness. Yeah. And they are potential. I mean, they, they go to wherever the advertiser decides they should go to instead of where we think is a better place for them yeah. to be. Y- y- you know, this is, <laughs> I don't mean to cast aspersions on your motives or on <laughs> no, no, not at, at all. all, right? Like, I, I, it, on, on what I think goes, hopefully goes without saying is I want whatever keeps Metafilter up and running, right? That's my, I mean, I think Metafilter is a huge net good in the world, even if they partner with Amazon who has shitty labor practices and dodges taxes like there's no tomorrow and, you know, this and that, right? Um, and I think also Metafilter has is on record as like going aggressively after ads that are like shady or exploitative yeah. that its users report and goes back and saying, these are the ads that we, hey, advertising network, we talked about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is shit that we don't want, uh, not only on our site, but on the Internet at all. Like that's, you know, you, the 17 celebrities whose boob jobs went horribly awry, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Jesus. Right. Like, let's yeah. can we strike this from the entire Internet, please. Right. So like. We're on the good, you know, it's, I, I keep saying we, I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but you're a Metafilter, Metafilter member. You've is got a community a, and a Metafilter as an organization are um, on the right side of that. But also, you know, it's when you're saying when I, when I style the ad to look more like an Ask Metafilter answer and someone who doesn't know how they got there and doesn't know uh, the visual cues for Metafilter is more likely to click on that thinking that's the answer to their question then we have to admit that we're being duplicitous, that we're being, you know, in a sense, dishonest with the, that web browser. Yes, it, it is to some de- degree a rational choice to be at least passively deceptive, you know, when you do that. And I think part of what makes it okay is that we think that we're savvy and that person's not. And we have a community of people where there's an, like a certain level of technological savviness or web savviness that that person just doesn't get to be a part of. And it's okay because they end up inadvertently bankrolling our endeavors. Yeah. And I think that's shitty because that's, you know, <laughs> that's our parents. That's our grandparents. That's, yep. you know, that's people we deal with every day. No, it, and it is. It is. It's, it is on, a weird... it's on their backs that we sort of get to have what we want for cheaper than we should. Yeah. And the more clearly you state it, the, the shittier it, it, it feels. And I've, you know, I, I recognize the shittiness of it, but, to some extent, I feel actively that way, not in a they don't get to enjoy what we have way, but more in a sense that for whatever reason, we live in a world where there is this giant force of nature of people bumbling around on the Internet, clicking on things that I don't understand why they click on them, but they exist. And 
if it's going to happen, then okay, you know, my priority is always going to be the Metafilter community itself. I want the site to stay stable. I want the people using the site, the people who are members of the site, to have good site experiences. That's why we don't serve any of the, you know, Google AdSense stuff to logged in members. You know, it's basically uh, an advertising free experience if you're actually a member of the site. Because at a sort of selfish and, you know, just basic proximity level, those are the people I really actively care about. I don't, I don't really care in any direct measurable sense about some person who comes to Metafilter once by accident and then leaves via an ad because I don't have any connection. I mean, I don't wish that person ill if there were some reason to believe that the ads they were being served on the site were, you know, malicious above and beyond whatever stance you want to take on the concept of advertising, sure, sure. that'd be a whole other thing, you know, but nothing bad is going to happen to, uh, some internet user who wanders in, doesn't know where they are, doesn't care where they are, and then clicks on an ad for some website that's, you know, selling diaper bags. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> like their, their experience has not been particularly unpleasant. They're just, poking around on the internet and that's fine and you know sure and we can't rule out 100% the likelihood that the ad is a better answer to the question they were trying to get answered than any of the answers in the ask metafilters yeah, were. I exactly. mean that's you know there is a, so whatever the percentage is it's more than 0, 0.0 that uh, stumbling across that ad is actually what that person yeah. needed sure. and, and one what? of the interesting sure. things there is actually the scale of things because the thing that boggles me is that enough people actually do this every day every hour every day that it provides us with a bunch of revenue because that seems like a lot of clicks, but partly it's just because there's a lot more traffic. Like our click-through rate on those ads is not even particularly good. You know, it's you know single digits. You know, probably close to like one percent or something. So for every hundred people who wander into Ask Metafilter out of you know a Google search and are like, "Where the fuck am I?" Like one out of hundred of those wanders over and clicks on an ad. It's not like they're all doing it. It's like that 1% of people who even got there in the first place. So that makes the whole thing feel a little bit less weird to me too because the other 99% are either like, oh, hey, this is interesting, I should keep reading, or this isn't what I want, close the tab. And I find that so much more comprehensible. But then it becomes like, okay, it's literally this 1% of ad click happy internet users who are apparently the engine on which... (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's 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 all, it's all so boggling when I try and think about it straight face like that. You know, it's I've always thought it was sort of weird, crazy, magical internet money, and so when it kept coming in, I was always sort of amazed but nervous. And when it started declining, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like nervous but also like, well, yeah. I mean, when you're chasing around a fucking dust devil, you never know where it's going to go, but you know it's going to mm. go somewhere. You know, so it's. It's it's weird because you know I, I take it very seriously as a as a business concern for the you know future wealth of the site at this point um, in a way that I didn't have to before I was directly you know responsible for the whole thing you know it was easier to sort of be like well this is crazy but I guess it's working and I guess Matt's on it but now it's like oh no I'm on it you know I have to really sort of actively grapple with it but it's still a weird force of nature it's still you know the potential volatility and even existence at all of this online web advertising economy is so huge. It's such a massive thing that small changes in it could have a really significant effect on us, which is essentially what's happened for better or for worse uh, over the last several years on Metafilter. 
Right, with the Google algorithm yeah. change that yeah. it ended up inadvertently, it, by Google's own admission, as I recall, yeah. inadvertently plummeting Ask Metafilter down the results. Yeah, you know, and that was, that was you know, nudges in their algorithm, but it's such a giant economy that, you know, it had really profound effects on us. And so, yeah, it's it's... If I actually actively worried about that volatility and unpredictability as much as it would be possible to, I would be a goddamn mess, basically. So instead, I just started this and be like, you know what? Uh, it could all literally explode tomorrow, but it probably won't. So for now, we'll just run with it. And if it explodes tomorrow, we'll, you know, we'll worry about that tomorrow. <laughs> Keep some savings in the bank. Buy yourself a couple months to figure out what happens if the sun explodes and right. then just hope the sun doesn't explode, you know. Right, and on the the continuum of uh, you know internet community uh, social crimes, the uh, having ads is not is hardly charts, you know, when in comparison to uh, duplicitously selling your users' demographic data to. <laughs> You know, to whatever, or se- selling mailing lists to unscrupulous people who seek to exploit them, or uh, you know, who who know, any of a hundred million things that people have yeah. tried desperately to uh, to wring some money out of a medium that seems really built on the idea that everybody's entitled to everything for free, one hundred percent of the time, exactly the way they want it. Yeah, and it's like it's hard to operate in that environment. It's hard to operate in a in a the internet being such a universe of uh, entitlement that like, well, someone's got to, you know, keep the lights on. Someone's got to, you know, keep the people fed who <laughs> make this exist. Yeah. And, and, and I just wish that it wasn't always kind of a lesser of two evils type of situation. Yep. Um, and especially because like I said, I, I, and, and my hands aren't clean. I'm not trying to come at this conversation from like a, a moralistic, like, you know, finger wagging approach right i have the podcast in the cut i try to link to ways people can watch the movies and those are like amazon referral links or itunes referral links or netflix i actually don't have a netflix thing so i just put the netflix in there (laughs) but uh but so yeah like i you know i that's i i make money in well i've made less than one (laughs) dollar in 30 plus episodes of in the cut but But still the principles but by and large yeah i mean i don't mean to come at this from a moralistic stand like a uh, over moralizing standpoint or or rake you over the coals or anything but uh but that it's something that i grapple with and it's something i grapple with as someone who has really has you know as i examine myself and my feelings about this stuff has pretty strong feelings about um advertising and it's and it's uh, social impact yeah i had i had pretty assiduously uh am i using assiduously right let's assume i am i had pretty assiduously avoided uh ads on any of my personal projects uh for mm-hmm. many years on the web um you know, I'd, I'd done a bunch of things and some of them had occasionally gotten a fair amount of traffic and I hadn't put ads on them because it's like, no, um, except when you made that, uh, loving black and white cover of the state farm insurance, uh, theme song that you uploaded to YouTube. I, I, I'm not, I don't get it. Oh wait, that was Weezer. Oh shit. That's I right. Know, have you oh, not seen that one? I have. I forgot <laughs> about that. That was so weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, they sold out years ago, whatever, man. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I had just not done it and and I hadn't, I hadn't not done it cause I didn't think I'd make any money, but I'd not done it because I didn't think I would make enough money for it to be worth doing. Like, like the, like it was the idea like, you know, I could put ads at the top of my blog, but I'm probably going to make, you know, on, on the good month, 
I might make five bucks off that. And is it really worth five bucks a month to go sticking ads on my stuff that isn't, you know, no notionally advertising related products, you know, so I made a bunch of projects, you know, I, I, a bunch of websites and I didn't put ads on any of them. Um, and then honestly, when Metafilter had the big downturn, um, you know, and, and we knew about the downturn to an extent before it became public news last year, but you know, in the previous year or two, it had been, you know, increasingly bad. And I was suddenly realizing, Oh, okay, well, I've taken a pay cut. I am hoping things won't crater. I'm hoping I won't lose this job I love. Uh, I'm making less money than I used to. My wife has stopped working uh, to go back to school. Maybe I should put some ads on stuff. And I did, you know, and I went and put ads on a few things. And for the most part, it didn't generate much money. But that was (laughs) enough to put sort of me into the state where I was like, I went from being like, you know, just on principle, it's not worth it to being like, it probably won't even make me enough money to matter, but I'm going to do it, you know? And, uh, I think the one exception was actually LARP Trek when that was still updating. That was actually making, I want to say 50 bucks a month off ads, which is not enough to matter for anything other than like buying a bottle of scotch every month if I wanted to, uh, like again, like even that was, that was a wild success by the measure of putting ads on my personal projects. And it was still like nothing like it was, you know, 600 bucks a year. Like it was nothing that would make any difference if I was otherwise, you know, suddenly in financial dire straits, you know, $600 wouldn't pay the mortgage I couldn't pay or anything like that. Um, but it still jumped out as me like, Oh, Hey, well, I just need to start a hundred more projects like this and then I'll be all set, you know? Right. So, and, and, you know, it really struck me to the extent that I was like, I can reconsider my feelings on this and go ahead and do this thing that I on principle didn't do for many years because, you know, it was the principled thing to, to, to do. Uh, and yeah, I, I did a lot of thinking about how I felt about it and how I felt about the sort of trade off of those things as a result of that sudden compulsion to like take more seriously the idea of trying to supplement my income a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it was, I, I don't know. That was, that was a, I, I remember clearly, uh, sort of suddenly re wrestling with that and sort of arguing myself into the other, uh, outcome of a, you know, principled position, uh, in reaction to just, you know, financial worries. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough This has one. been the, <laughs> <laughs> I wish there were a clear cut answer to this. Cause I mean, another thing that I haven't mentioned aside from having advertising on, you know, one of the projects that I work with, but not on the show, but on the website for the show, I have Amazon referral links and stuff for the, in, in the cut. And as well, I've also happily, uh, patronized, uh, advertisers on podcasts that I listen to and, you know, found things they like from it, you know, yeah. and, and taken advantage of it and stuff. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't begrudge the hosts or producers of those shows, uh, their podcast deals, their advertising deals that they put together. But it's also, you know, I think that the analogy to pollution is apt. I think that pollution doesn't, you know, kill everybody it touches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's a minor irritation to 99% of us. Air pollution doesn't like go around executing random people with a gun, right? It's just sort of like pervasive and shitty and we wish we had less of it, but we also are too attached to the things that we get 
from the factories that put out their pollution, right? Or the whatever. Yeah. You know, or, you know, bad labor laws or what, you know, whatever. There's many, many analogies to be made here. It's it's hard to come down on one side or the other. I, I like you, I, I think I could rewind to my uh, 16 to 20 year old self and get a pretty clear cut answer on what the righteous <laughs> side of this <laughs> this argument is. But, you know, as a 33 year old, I, I think it's more nuanced and you have to weigh a lot more factors and and uh, and look for a net good there. Um, I th- probably an hour ago, I had one other thing to throw out at you, <laughs> and which is far lost. I, I think that's for the best. I feel like we've 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 gone through some some pretty good uh, good uh, yeah you know is 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 how I feel. We should <laughs> we should end on an up note though, don't you think? We Instead should of me just ranting about the decline of like civilization and society. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know what's pretty great? What's pretty great? Butts. Butts are pretty oh. great. Yeah? Yeah. You always seem to be so uh, demeaning towards them. No, no, it's a, it's a loving lull towards the butts. Oh, I lull, okay, I lull with love. <laughs> I'm not lolling at you, I'm lolling with your butt. I, <laughs> I, think, I think we should just get out while we still can. Uh, it's too late for that. Uh, We're going down with the ship uh, at this dang, point. Dang, dang. Josh, I've had you on this call for two hours now. I'm going to finally release you. All right. I really, I, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad and, this is turning uh, into a, really a full fun. release call. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, God, you went almost 30 minutes without a disgusting joke. So <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I feel much better now. Quite yes, a bit. It exploded right out of me. <laughs> Oh, I'll talk um, to you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, thanks for thanks for joining me, Josh, <laughs> and uh, apologies to everyone else in the world. <laughs> uh-huh.